Some time ago, um, I came across a, a story, and uh, in fact, nobody knows who wrote the story. It's a short story. And uh, uh, so I want to share that story, but I don't know who wrote it, and I've adapted it in places, but I just want to share a little story to get us started this morning. And here it goes. Long ago, there was a grand garden. It was beautiful, colorful, absolute perfection. The garden was full of amazing and varied creatures and plants of all kinds. And it was there in the garden that God took some clay and, and shaped it with his hands and placed the clay on the ground in the garden. God said to the clay, you will be like me, you will be able to choose. Then God placed a seed within the clay and, and said, this seed I place within you is the seed of choice. Creation stood in silence, watching. Soon an angel arrived and asked God, what, what if he, and God interrupted, what if he chooses not to love? Come, and I will show you. Because they were not bound by time, God and the angel walked into the future, and God then said, let us now see the seed of choice and what it brings forth. The angel was astonished at what happened. The angel saw love and devotion, commitment, kindness, integrity, forgiveness, tenderness, humility, and an array of all that is good and right and wonderful. And God said to the angel, but there is a lot more to choice than you have just seen. And suddenly everything changed. Choice began to produce selfishness, hatred, Anger, resentment, self-centeredness, violence, harshness, and negativity. The angel asked God, is all of this, all of what I see, the good and the bad, the result of choice? Yes, God replied. But won't they forget you if they have choice? Won't they reject you? Yes, God replied. Won't they cause harm because of choice? Won't try, some try to leave you? Won't some actually deny you? Yes. God replied. Why did you give them choice, the angel asked. And God said, come with me. And God took the angel further and further into the future. And there the angel saw a tree that was fashioned into a cradle. And within the cradle was a baby of perfection. God then led the angel a few more steps into the future, and the angel saw another tree, but this one was on top of a hill. And the angel asked God, why is that tree shaped like a cross? Will you go down there? Yes, God replied. Is there no other way? The angel asked. There is not, replied God. Wouldn't it be easier not to give them the choice to begin with? It would, said God, but then there would not be love. The angel looked down and saw three crosses. And the angel said, but it would be less painful if you, and God interrupted and said, but then there would not be love. And suddenly God and the angel went back to the garden. It was there that God breathed life into the clay, dust stirred, the chest rose and fell, fingers moved, eyes opened, and then God said to the angel, I have given choice because of love. Love demands choice. So now, 
It's up to you. And it is up to you. And it is up to me. Well, I hope you don't find this story that I adapted too trite. I believe that whoever put these thoughts together obviously got something. The obvious truth that God created all there is and each one of us who is here today. But that God has given each one of us a very profound choice. And that is the gift of choice. And this gift of choice is something that you and I have in our pockets every single moment of every single day despite circumstance. Nothing can take that freedom of choice away because God has given it to us. Now we can choose to use our freedom of choice in so many ways. We can use it for love or for all the other options. And our choices certainly have a consequence, a cost, a cost that God understood on the cross. Hence, I believe we are called to be very vigilant about the choices we make and to view the opportunity to choose as an astonishing gift that obliges us in the midst of all circumstances to be wise and careful and faithful with the choices that we make. If you and I were to take a few moments right now and look back at our lives, the events that happened, the relationships we've had, the good and the bad, it's likely that we would see the choices that we made that put us in the position to experience such things. Now, I need to be very clear that sometimes what we experience is, in fact, the result not of our own choices, but the choices of others. And I get that there is not a perfect one-to-one correlation between what comes our way and the choices we make. But that said, often what happens in life is a direct response to the choices we have made, the good, the bad, the benign, the toxic. Now, as an aside, I must point out the obvious truth that sometimes things happen because of a choice God makes on our behalf. There is such a thing as grace and God sometimes intervenes and interrupts our lives, interrupts the consequences of our choices, interrupts our thinking and the circumstances in which we find ourselves. But even with that truth, we have the gift of choice, and our choice affects everything. Recently, someone sent me a fascinating article based on some research that's recently been done at Northwestern University. Now, the research may not seem that surprising. I think it reveals something that we all know to be true, but I really find the research to be fascinating because it was empirically proven and according to scientific standards. What the research showed is something, again, we may obviously know, but I like the fact that it was empirically demonstrated, and that is that the people we choose to spend time with affects us dramatically. The article notes about this research that choosing the right friends is important because it causes our brain waves to actually begin to mimic those of the people with whom we're spending time. Our brain waves mimic those with whom we spend the most time. This means we start becoming alike the people we spend the most time with, whether or not we're conscious or not of it. Our brains actually get in alignment. The research suggests that choosing people is, in fact, far more important to the course of our lives than what we choose to eat, 
what we wear, where we go, what we do, or what we order in a restaurant. The research shows, and it states, the more important decision we have when going to a restaurant, for example, is who we go with. That's far more important and far more impactful than the choices of what we decide to eat. The article goes on, we get on the same wavelength with those we spend the most time with. Just think about that. We get on the same wavelength as those we spend the most time with. So it goes on in the article, if we want to make life improvements, such as reading more, getting better at something, we should spend time with someone who has the desirable traits we want to pick up. Now, while I find this research fascinating and valid from my own life experiences, probably some of you do, I love it when something scientific actually lines up perfectly with our walk with Jesus. And to help us get at what I mean, I want to take a look for a moment at our reading today from the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua, as many of you know, is named after Joshua, who had a huge role in the story of the people of Israel. When the people fled Egypt under the leadership of Moses, Joshua was there. When Moses went up Mount Sinai, Joshua was, was there. When the people wandered around the desert for 40 years, falling in and out of faith, Joshua was there. When Moses sent spies to check out the promised land, Joshua was one of the twelve. After Moses died, it was Joshua who led the people of Israel across the Jordan River, taking out Jericho, and eventually largely clearing out the promised land of the people to make room for the Israelites. And it's at the end of all of this that we encounter today's reading at the end of the book of Joshua. It is his, his farewell address, so to speak, because after this he dies. And in his words, Joshua reminds the people this is your history, this is who you are, this is where you have been, this is what you have gone through, and this is who you will become if you remember that everything is due to God. And then Joshua challenges the people and reminds them that they have been given an extraordinary gift. Joshua said, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. That question is thousands of years old. But it is relevant, it is as relevant as it was as Joshua spoke in the midst of the promised land as it is to you and me as we sit in Somas village on this December morning. Choose for ourselves this day whom we will serve. Now the interesting thing about choice is that you and I are making moment-to-moment -moment decisions every day whether or not we are aware of that decision-making process going on. We're constantly making choices. Whether or not you realize that you're making a choice to sit here. That doesn't mean I want you to make a choice to get up and leave, but all of you are making a choice to sit here right now. Really before anything happens, Choices are being made, conscious or not. And the choices we make determines the course of what follows. And in essence, each of us decides whom or what we will serve every moment of every day. We're always continually serving something or someone, always, throughout each and every day. And we have a choice. 
Now, the word serve here, as it's used in the passage, means only to serve, but it means to follow and to worship. So think of this as a choice of who to serve, who to follow, and who or, who or what to worship. Serving has to do with where we put our energy, what we put our faith in, what we trust and believe in, what gives us a sense of security and stability, what we seek, what we turn to, what we build our lives and our relationships upon. And we have so many choices to whom or what we can serve. And it's not that whom or what we can serve are necessarily inherently good or bad, but our choices impact everything. We can serve our self-image. The daily decision we make every day, conscious or not, can be, I'm going to serve my image today. My life is going to be about image preservation. Now, I can use Facebook to keep up with friends, or I can use Facebook to engage in my own self-marketing campaign, to preserve my self-image, and I can serve that. We can serve our careers. We can serve money and worry about money and be overtaken by money and concerned about money so that it, it exudes and consumes us. And we can make decisions each day that are all about serving money and enhancing net worth. We can serve a lifestyle. I'm an outdoors person. I'm going to serve that lifestyle with everything I do. We can actually even serve fear. I'm going to spend my life following fear so that I hopefully can manage it. We can serve power, prestige, appearance, sport. We can serve a variety of identities like leader, power broker, important person, victim. We can serve family, resentment, anger, ego, being a Republican, a Democrat, cool, with it, or an accepting person. We can serve being the image of a minister. Lord have mercy. <laughs> the choices are totally limitless. But in the midst of this vast array, this cafeteria selection of choices of whom or what to serve, God says, what will it be for you, Robert? Who will it be for you, Paul? What about you, Matt? Chris, how about you? And God doesn't ask us this question just once, but throughout each and every day. So why does God ask this question of us? Whom or what will you serve? Is, is God a control freak? Is God trying to be mean? Is God trying to limit our options, make us feel guilty or lousy? Is God trying to make us feel burdened, as I talked about last week? Is God, by asking this question, attempting to make us feel guilty, negative, small? Is God trying to make us feel powerful? What's God up to in asking this question? Who or what will you serve? Well, as I think about it, I believe God wants us to think about whom or what we will serve each and every day, and even within moments of every day, for one very good reason. Remember earlier I shared the research that was being done at Northwestern University. The research that says we get on the same wavelength with those we spend the most time with. We get on the same wavelength with those we spend the most time with. And maybe another way of saying this is we get on the same wavelength with whom or what we are serving. Maybe we get on the same wavelength with whom or what we are worshiping. Maybe we're getting on the same wavelength with whom or what we are following. And what if indeed we become more and more like, more and more in alignment with, more and more reflective of whom or what we choose to serve? 
If I choose to serve money today, my life will begin to reflect all that is associated with assets. If I choose to serve fear today, my life, in fact, will begin to reflect the fact that I am fear avoidant. If I choose to serve my family, my motives and aspirations will be family-focused. If I choose to serve my ego, my ego becomes my master. Again, whatever I choose to serve, good or bad, determines who and what I'll become this day, and my brain wavelengths get in alignment with that. But I think Christ asks us this question, just as Joshua asked the people of the people of Israel long ago. Because God knows what might happen to you and to me if we choose moment to moment to serve Christ. And what if choosing to serve Christ, what if as a result our minds get on the same wavelength as Jesus? What if by choosing to serve Christ, our days begin to reflect who God is? And how might we see the challenges and the joys and the heartaches and the struggles and the fears and the hopes and the dreams and the letdowns embedded within each and every day if our minds were on the same wavelength with God? What might happen if during discussions, meetings, meals, random happenings and events that occur every day, if in the midst of such things, we are volitionally choosing to serve God? So one person writes, we're not compelled to choose God but we can make a conscious choice, yes or no. Choose this day, this day whom you will serve. Remember earlier I shared the story of the garden, God, the angel, the lump of clay, that God planted the seed of choice within that lump of clay, and that God showed the angel the consequence of choice, and God said to the angel, I have given them choice because of love, Love demands a choice, so it's now up to them to love as I do. And so that's the choice we are freely given every day. Will we serve God moment to moment? Will we, as a result, choose to love as God loves? For the degree to which we reflect love reflects the extent to which we've chosen to serve Christ. And fundamentally, I believe that God has given us the gift to choose to serve him for the very important reason that God knows what kind of life we will have if we choose to serve, to follow, and to worship him first and foremost. We want to change our lives. Don't look on the outside. Look deeply within on the inside. Whom are you serving? That's when everything changes from the inside out and begins to change what's going on on the outside. Choose this day whom you will serve. It's an important, life-changing question. Let us pray.